This is a presentation that um, I've been kind of working on off and on for a couple of years. I, I, I heard the first part that I'm going to share with you as a health nugget several years ago, and it had a very profound effect on me. Um, And it was a little bit, um, I don't know what word to use. As I was putting this together, it didn't even go the direction I thought it was going to go. It was much greater. <laughs> I, um, I'm going to need a whole lot of help today from the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you. <laughs> Which I don't mind. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm happiest when he does, when he does his part. I think I was about oh, 30, early 30s when I discovered that I couldn't spend the rest of my life drinking soft drinks and teas and things like that, sugar drinks. Uh, I'm in construction, so I'm outside a lot and I expend a lot of uh, energy um, and a lot of fluids. And, and, and the taste of water, I just detested. So I, I drank a lot of Dr. Peppers and Mountain Dews and Gatorades and things of that nature. And uh, when you start getting older, you begin to recognize that your body just is not quite as cooperative as it was when they were this age here. So. And, and it happened after I had come back to church. I spent, as I said once before, about 18 years away from church. So uh, this revelation came to me after I came back to church, and, and I knew that there was no way I was ever just going to start drinking water on my own. You know, they say people who drink beer the first time didn't like it. They say you have to develop a taste for it, and I can't figure out why you'd want to develop a taste for something that's so rancid, but... Um, I knew I wasn't going to be able to develop a taste for water, and I'm not going to lie, I had to pray about it. And it was through the power of prayer that uh, I overcame that detested... <laughs> uh, I just detested water. I don't know how else to say it. You know, water is one of those things that uh, we kind of take for granted. I was reading a couple of years ago in a magazine about China. It says the Yangding River, which once fed Beijing, ran dry along with 27,000 other rivers in China. They've disappeared due to industrialization and dams and drought. It is so bad that they are building about a 27,000 mile channel through China to take water to people who need it and they're uprooting people and taking out towns and villages and whatever just so people can survive. We can't function without water, did you know that? You can live for several days without food. Some of us can live a little longer. But water you can't live but maybe three or four days without 
being hydrated. And this right here, when it comes to the need for water, doesn't help. It actually hurts. I'm going to share some information uh, this morning about the need for water, what happens when you don't drink enough water, and it's, it's quite lengthy, and I'm not going to apologize for that. <laughs> Every bit of it is important. Excuse me, I have to get a drink. <laughs> Thank you. Dehydration is a lot more than just not drinking enough water. The side effects of being dehydrated involve numerous body systems and symptoms can range from mild to life-threatening. Water makes up a large percentage of the blood. The life-giving red liquid that brings oxygen, nutrients, and vital processes such as one's immune system throughout the body. Lymphatic fluids, part of one's immune system, make up four times the volume of blood and are designed to remove waste products from the body. Essential systems throughout the body can become impaired if the body does not receive a continuous, safe, and reliable supply of water. The majority of people are chronically dehydrated. Did you hear that? The majority of you are dehydrated. And over time, long-term health conditions can develop. A lack of water is a choice for many as they often choose more flavorful alternatives. Unknowingly, people become further dehydrated via alcohol, caffeinated drinks, sugar-laced water re replacements. The dehydration process is essentially compounding itself and producing inflammation throughout the body. Inflammation has become the new buzzword among doctors and healthcare professionals. Chronic inflammation can lead to a laundry list of serious medical conditions such as asthma, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high blood sugar. How about this one? Cancer. Obesity pain disorders, depression, arthritis, and that's just to name a few. All of these conditions can be linked to a chronic state of dehydration. Many doctors cannot readily differentiate between water-deficient causes of illness and other potential causes. This often leads to poor case management and further deterioration of one's condition. Many symptoms are merely warning signals or inflammatory signals that are designed to have a healing effect. Medications often turn off these chemical signals without addressing the underlying cause of them. Many of today's non-water drinks are classified diuretic or water expelling and can prevent the body from ridding itself of harmful inflammatory byproducts. The body is constantly building itself up and breaking itself down. It's a continual cycle. Every cell has its own life cycle. It is born, it dies, and it is replaced. Inflammation can kill cells prematurely. Cellular death is a major contributor to chronic medical conditions that were previously mentioned. Dehydration inhibits the effectiveness of one's lymphatic system 
and allows cellular waste products to linger and create further havoc. Research has found dehydration to have a negative effect on one's brain and can contribute to the development of depression. The brain consumes vast amounts of glucose that is delivered via the blood supply. Dehydration affects the amount of overall blood volume that in return affects the brain. Mild to moderate dehydration can cause headaches, diminish memory, impair one's ability to think clearly. Proper hydration is essential for nerve function throughout the body. Nerves are sensitive, and the body places a high priority on their health and maintenance. Once a nerve dies, there is no regrowth within the central nervous system. Microstreams exist along the length of the nerves and transports nutrients along mi microtubules to where the message messages are being transmitted. Dehydration can disrupt these messages, often resulting in the sensation of pain, fatigue, low energy, loss of muscle strength, and poor endurance. Histamine is a neurotransmitter. It plays a significant role in encouraging water intake during periods of dehydration. Elevated levels of histamine can also impact and contribute to asthma, depression, and chronic pain. These conditions are often related with antihistamines and painkillers that essentially turn off signals of thirst. Do you know what an antihistamine is? Do you suffer from allergies? You take things like Benadryl and Dimetap and Sudafeds and well, I know a little bit about that because I suffer horribly from allergies and I have to take that. And I didn't know that it was dehydrating me even more. Water makes up about 60% of one's body weight. Obesity has been shown to decrease the percentage of water in the body, sometimes to as low as 45%. Chronic inflammation and dehydration can alter one's metabolism and promote weight gain. Weight gain is one of the leading causes of heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. You'll like this part. The brain and kidneys regulate the amount of water excreted by the body. When the blood volume is low through dehydration, the brain responds by stimulating a hormone that signals the kidneys to reabsorb and recirculate water. When the overall blood volume falls, so does one's blood pressure. Let me back up to that a little bit. When you get dehydrated to a certain point, your body will take what's in your kidneys and recirculate that back into your system. Your kidneys is what filters the bad things out of your body. So it's basically recirculating that back into your body so you'll survive. What this article doesn't say is it also does the thing, same thing to your bowel. Uh, dehydration causes your bowels not to move and flow, 
And if you're really dehydrated, it'll take what water there is in your bowel and it'll take all that bacteria and it'll send it right back into your body so your body's fighting an even bigger battle. When the overall blood volume falls, so does one's blood pressure. Low blood pressure is a leading cause of dizziness and feeling like you may faint when you stand up. Rapid heart rate is also a sign of dehydration. The heart rate increases in an attempt to maintain and elevate blood pressure. Excessive stress and strain on the heart can contribute to heart attacks and failure. Cancer cells are produced normally in the body from birth to death. Did you know that? These mutated cells float around in the blood and can develop into tumor, tumors and masses. Cancer cells are flagged, rejects, by one's immune system, and they are marked for destruction. Dehydration reduces the overall blood and lymphatic fluids that are integral in a healthy immune system response. Dehydration and inflammation causes further impairments of one's immune system and can contribute to what is called autoimmune disease. If you have an autoimmune disease, a person's own immune system attacks healthy cells by mistake. There are more than 80 types of autoimmune diseases and many share the same symptoms as dehydration. Often the first symptoms of an autoimmune disorder are fatigue, muscle aches, and a low fever, all signs of underlying inflammation. Hunger is a major side effect of dehydration. The vast majority of people get only water intake through the foods that they eat, and it's important to avoid high-protein diets as one does not drink water or eat enough fruits and vegetables. If you were to sit here till tomorrow at this time and not do anything else, you would expend between two and three quarts of water. That's a lot of water. Just sitting around, just life itself. If you are 12% dehydrated, you are dead. If you are 10% dehydrated, you can't move and you're probably unconscious and you're almost dead. Your body is shutting down. That's just 10%. If you are 2% dehydrated, you're having a hard time focusing. You can't do simple math problems and short-term memory loss is beginning to set in. If you're 1% dehydrated, you will experience a 5% decrease in your co cognitive function. 1%. At 2% dehydration, if you're listening, if you're paying attention, your body will start telling you to get a drink. However, it's too late. You're already suffering the effects of dehydration. When I first heard this, it was a little bit overwhelming to me. 
because typically, I'll speak for myself, we, I do things reactively. I'm hungry, oh, well, let's go get something to eat. I'm thirsty, oh, well, let's go get something to drink. What this is telling me is that for me to be healthy and for me to survive and for me to have a, a healthy, respectful lifestyle, I have to proactively drink water. I have to seek it out. I have to search it out. I have to keep it close at all times. And I have to stay ahead of it. And if I don't, I suffer from dehydration. People who are older suffer from dehydration more so because they are unaware that they're thirsty because maybe medications, maybe because they don't want to get a drink because it's going to make them have to go to the bathroom more than they want to. Um, when in fact, if they would make that effort to, as a friend of mine says, push fluids, make an effort to stay hydrated, they're, they're sharper mentally. Dehydration, they're finding, has effects of dementia. Um, all the things that affect us. What's the other one when we start getting older? Um, Alzheimer's, yes ma'am. Lou Gehrig's disease just because we don't drink enough of this. Now, studies have found that, that you can drink, like I said, the soft drinks and the sugar drinks, and you can stay hydrated if that's all your intention is, is to stay hydrated. The problem is, is when you put those things into your body, your body begins to work overtime trying to get rid of them. Trying to get rid of the sugars, trying to get rid of the, 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 uh, the dyes and artificial flavors and all those other things. The, the body's trying to throw that off. And, and it almost can't do it because it's overwhelming. In fact, if you drink, what they suggest that you do is you drink water that's been, that's been filtered because what filtered water does is when it goes through the body, it has the ability to take on the things that your body is trying to get rid of. If you're putting fluids in your body that are already full, you might say, the body doesn't have the ability to get rid of anything else because it's trying to get rid of that. But if you put pure filtered water into your body, then it's taking all those things out that your body needs to be rid of so that you'll be healthy. Let me ask you a question. I've given you a lot of information on dehydration. I could give you a lot more, but if I did, would it be too much? I don't want to overwhelm. My point is, with all that I have given you, I haven't even scratched the surface. It is amazing what being hydrated with something proper will do for you, will do for your health, your overall outlook. 
there's another type of dehydration, one that's more devastating, and we find it in Ezekiel chapter 37. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them around about. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy over those bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath back in you so that you may come alive. And you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied. And as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, I say, our bones are dried up, and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves. My people and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people, I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. What Ezekiel has witnessed is an extreme case of physical dehydration, death. This is the death of God's people. However, the point God is making is that they weren't suffering from physical dehydration, but spiritual dehydration. Ultimately, they lead to the same place, but God is trying to change that, to help them to avoid that. What is spiritual dehydration? Maybe I should ask, what causes spiritual dehydration? In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands, and the erection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. What causes spiritual dehydration? 
Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity. Leaving the elementary teaching, press on to maturity. When I was away from the church for so many years, I came back to church and I was so excited. God had done some incredible things in my life and caused me to realize that He is real. And when I got back to church, so many of the people that were there when I left were sitting in the exact same seat. And I'm not trying to make that a point of their spiritual condition, except that it can be. Are you sitting in the exact same seat spiritually as you were when you became a Christian? That's spiritual dehydration. That's, a, that's one of the first signs of spiritual dehydration. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching. That doesn't mean that it's not important. He goes on to say, and this we will do if God permits. In other words, if we have to go back and visit this, we will. But as mature Christians, we should be past that. We should be past all of the these and the thous, and, the, and we should be moving forward in our Christian experience. Press on to maturity. Don't get caught up in dead works. Don't get caught up in instructions about the washing and the laying on of hands. You know what that means? It doesn't matter if you serve communion from left to right or right to left. Just have communion and appreciate what it stands for. Be respectful. What does it mean to be spiritually dehydrated? Several years ago, some teens, probably 15, 16, let's say 14 to 17, one of them, who is kind of the leader of the group, he came to me and he said, Rodney, he said, we just don't feel like we're being fed in church. We don't feel like we're being fed. And he says, it's just, it's not just me, it's, it's all of us. And he was talking to all of these teens. And I'm kind of a kid's person, even though I'm old, I like kids. I think they're wonderful. I think they're an incredible blessing. And wish I had more time to spend it with kids. But these kids knew that they could come to me and they could ask me or tell me anything and I wouldn't judge them. We may have a conversation, but I wouldn't judge or condemn them. This young man, he was kind of a leader of these young people. He was a natural leader. And he said, it's not just me, but it's all of us. And we would like for there to be more. And okay, I'm kind of 
taking in what he's saying. And, and he's serious. I mean, th- these young people, they are determined. They, they're not being fed at church, and they want something done. And he says, what would happen if, if we all came together and, and sometime at church during the service, we stand up and we come up front and we just kind of politely take over and express our concerns? And inside, I'm going, yay! <laughs> Somebody gets it! But you can't do that. <laughs> I said, well, I said, two things are going to happen. First, you're going to make a whole lot of people very angry. And, and the other thing that's going to happen, there's going to be a whole lot of people who are going to agree with you. What does it mean to be fed? What does, if you're not being fed, that's also a sign of spiritual dehydration. What does it mean to be fed? I said the first thing you're going to have to do if you want to do something like that is what these people are going to want to know is you've brought it up, what are you going to do about it? Well, when I put the shoe back on the other foot, it was, um, um, well, um, we don't know. So I said, well, let's all get together. So all these kids met over at my house, and we had a discussion. What do you as young people, what do you as teens want to do that would be considered significant, something that will work for you, that, make, that will make you feel like you're doing something, that you're a part of something? And they said, well, we, that's what we want. We want to be a part of something. We don't want to be just a bunch of kids, okay? Well, what do you want to do? Well, we want to do something in our community. All right. What do you want to do? Well, what if we pass out literature? In my heart sunk just a little bit. I'm not real big on passing out literature. If somebody says, hey, would you tell me about the state of the dead? And I said, well, it's a pretty long subject, but I can give you this pamphlet and you can read about it. But typically when literature is passed out, what happens... This is how it's perceived. Hi, my name's Rodney. I have this piece of literature. I'm smiling because I want you to think I'm your friend. But in fact, this piece of literature will tell you everything that's wrong in your life. Thank you and God bless. And I hate that. <laughs> well, they were still interested. I said, don't take anything. Just go knock on doors and talk to people. Well, they were just all excited about that. And I said, well, you don't, you kind of need a plan. Let's put a plan together. People need to know who you are, what you're about. Well, we just want to do something for our community. We want to be a force in our community that people will look and say, hey, these kids, these young people got it going on. I said, yeah, but how are you going to tell them? Well, by this point, they didn't want to hear that. They just wanted to go do it. So we went and did it. <laughs> And then after we went and did it, we came back and we had another little meeting and they said, well, it didn't go too good. Well, how come? Well, because we didn't know what to say. (laughs) Didn't know quite what to do. Okay. Didn't know who we were. Didn't know how to identify ourselves. Okay. So what are we going to do about it? Well, one of them got real sharp and she said, "Let's, let's call ourselves Teen Impact. All right. 
So they became Teen Impact. And then they decided what they wanted to do, instead of going around and knocking doors and saying, hey, this is who we are and we're special, they were going to have prayer with people. They would knock on doors and they would say, hi, we are so-and-so with Teen Impact. We'd like to talk to you for just a moment. And we'd like to pray with you if we could. It was amazing. It was amazing because nearly every one of them had a door slammed in their face. People did not know how to respond to young people knocking on their door, not wanting anything, not giving away anything, but just wanting to pray. After, oh, the first 30 minutes, the kids would come back to me. I would go with them, and we'd go through it. We had a neighborhood in particular that we were working on. They would come back, and they were confused because people had slammed doors in their face. Pretty soon, these people <clears throat> were coming out of their houses, and they were coming to where we were, and they were apologizing, and they were saying, we're sorry. We've never seen this before. We didn't know how to react. One lady says, I don't know who y'all are, but here's a check for $50. You spend it however you need to spend it. It was amazing. Suddenly their life had, had some meaning. Suddenly their spiritual dehydration became an overhydration. It was spilling out. We had several amazing experiences. And I said, now, let's go tell the church. And they were excited about it. But they're typical teens, so when they go and do things, they kind of do it like teens do. So. I had to teach them about stage presentation and how to stand in certain ways so that whoever was speaking here, they were focusing attention to that speaker. And they weren't up there kind of meandering around, talking to each other, but they were respectful. And we did that. We had the podium For an hour and a half, not a person left with the exception of one, and I know her, and she had medication. And her medication was at, was at noon, and she stayed until after 12.30. After but everybody was excited all of a sudden. They were being fed. They were being hydrated spiritually they began to understand what it means to be fed, what it means to be a part of something. The text goes on to say in verse 4, For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gifts and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and have then fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, 
since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those whose sakes it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. Spiritual hydration. If you have it, would you know it? If you have it, would you know it? Spiritual dehydration. Let's look in Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> this is verse, starting in verse 16. As I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a good, that's a pretty good list, isn't it? But we're all church-going folks. We don't suffer from any of that, do we? You said that. Do you suffer those? Yeah, we do, don't we? I'd be lying if I said I didn't. <laughs> that's right. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, we also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, while the first part of this, these texts are significant, as, as good church-going folks as we are, the last one might be more significant. Because these are action words. These are things that require movement on your part and my part. A spirit of love, joy, Peace, long-suffering. Long-suffering, you know what that is? Patience. Patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm not going to lie, I suffer from the lack of some of those. 
I, I don't want to, but I'm not going to lie. There are times in my life that, um, that I react in a way that I have to say, Lord, that was wrong. <laughs> Forgive me and help me through that. Help me to get past that shortcoming. And then it goes on to say, let us not become conceited. What does that mean? Maybe we are really good at putting on a front and we make a real good showing of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness that we lord it over those who are around us. See what I did? See who I am? Did you see that? I did that. Where does spiritual hydration come from? In John 4, 13-14, Jesus answered and said to her, This is the woman at the well. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. This spiritual, this spiritual hydration, it can only come from one place, and that's from Jesus himself. This is one you need to mark in your Bible. It's John chapter 7, verse 38. It says, He believes in me is as the Scripture has said. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said. In other words, this belief is being defined in Scripture. Out of his heart will flow rivers, that's plural, rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Rivers do not flow out of dry river beds. They flow out of full Bank to bank, streams, creeks, rivers. And here's another part of that text that we rarely look at. The reason I pointed out that it can't flow from a dry stream, and that is if you have life in you and you share that with somebody else, that life that is in you grows. So you may be a little trickle and you share it. You'll become a stream and you share it. You'll become a creek and you share it. You'll become a river and you share it. You'll become an ocean and you share it. Then you'll become a flood. That's how you avoid spiritual dehydration. I want to end with this final text. It's in Hebrews. Chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. But, beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name. And having ministered in all and in... I'm sorry... In having ministered and in still ministering to the saints... And we desire that each one of you sh 
show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Look at this closely. So that you will not be dehydrated. So you will not be sluggish is what mine says. But imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. We're living in those last days. We don't have time to be fooling around with whether we think we're thirsty or not. We need to decide, get a big drink, and more than anything else, move on. Move forward in your Christian experience. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words today. We thank you that the experiences that are here in this book, we can share not only with others, but we can take to heart and we can understand how it works, how we can reach out to others, how we can save those who are around us, how we can save ourselves. Guide us and direct us in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen.